Welcome to Law of Startups Podcast. I'm Mike Schneider. And I am Joe Wallen. Thank you for being with us. Today, uh, we are lucky to have on the show with us Michael Wu. Michael Wu is from eShares. And if you hadn't, haven't heard of eShares, uh, we're going to hear all about it today. Thank you for being on the show, Michael. No problem. My pleasure. It's great to be here, guys. Yeah. So, so eShares, I mean, why, for, for folks who maybe haven't heard of it, why don't you just give us the thumbnail? Yeah, so we are a cap table management platform. We're an SEC registered transfer agent. And what we allow private companies to do is issue their stock certificates and option grants electronically. So you aren't fumbling with paper certificates, option grants, paperwork. Uh, now companies can allow their employers to lo- or employees to log into a portal, see how many options they hold, look at their vesting schedules. Their shareholders can now log in, view their shares. Uh, if there's a transaction, nobody has to go through, dig up their safe, uh, and return paper certificates. It's really just moving all of this administrative uh, work that used to be sent around the cap table into the digital age. So how long have you guys been doing this? How long has eShares been around? So we launched officially in January 2014. Great. And Joe, is this the kind of thing you're seeing a lot? Joe, Joe uh Michael, if you haven't worked with him before, he's he's kind of the corporate guy, um, so he deals with a lot of this type of stuff. Is Joe are a lot of people doing electronic cap tables and things like that? Or is this is this like a new thing? Well, um, it's a good question, Mike. So um, yeah, no, I, I'm increasingly I'm seeing companies do this, and it makes a lot of sense because if you can avoid the expense of um, what ha- what happens in these in these situations where you have like say you do say you do a series A or a series seed and and then a series A and you've got like who knows you have to issue fifty stock certificates or something it sounds really like it shouldn't be that big of a deal but like inevitably things happen like people are mail the certificates and they lose them or um, you know there's somebody decides they 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 didn't want their shares subscribed for in their own name but in the name of trust and so all these things just like they're they're and they each individually don't, you know, aren't that huge of a deal, but like all them together add up to a lot of money. So it's a lot, it seems like there's a great place here for project, you know, products like e- e-shares. So this is, this is unrelated to e-shares specifically, but like, so if somebody, if you get issued shares in a startup and you're issued a, a stock certificate and you lose your stock certificate, is the stock certificate like the defining thing or, or does, is there just some, uh, some, some like uh, official record somewhere else and the stock certificate is just kind of like a, uh, you know, one piece of it. Well, okay. Like, so this is really important. I mean, <laughs> you, you, if you can, you can lose your certificate and that will, that doesn't affect your, your ownership. But what happens is, and I've seen this happen on transactions and eShare solves this problem. But uh, let's say you get to an exit transaction and the company sold for $30 million or something like that. Um, you'll have to train your certificate if you, uh, in order to get your consideration in the transaction. If you lost your certificate, frequently these, um, What's the, there are payment agents being used, and they'll demand you pay a bond. They'll demand you pay a bond to cover the the risk of your lost certificate, and so you'll you'll end up having to pay sometimes a significant amount of money just out of out of your own pockets. Like it's just know? to ensure in case somebody pops up in the future and claims. Yeah, that, that, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's insanity. So you've got to like, uh, it's insanity. Huh. Like, and people in stock certificates, you know, like people just lose stock certificates. They do it all the time. It's it's so. This is eShares is a good, a really good innovation in my book. Yeah, well, we should go go back to Michael. I want to hear more about eShares, but then we should talk. One of the reasons I'm thinking about about this issue, I, I should tell you about my my debacle with Bitcoin this week. Uh, it's a 
we'll, we'll, we'll turn back to that after we, after we hear more about well, it. That, I would, maybe, actually, maybe it'll explain why this type of stuff is important. Sure. Sure. And Mike, I mean, not, not to put any pressure on you, but uh, you know, how, how does eShares plan to use the blockchain? So, so there is a little bit of a blockchain element to what we do, which, which goes along with being the master record of a company's cap table. It, you know, we, we hold the true information about all of the stock certificates, the shares, options that have been issued by the company. You know, if it's not, if the record's not on e-shares, it's not outstanding. And not only do we prevent that issue with paper certificates being lost, we correct all of the times where a paper certificate has a typo. You imagine the old world where company raises their Series A financing. You know, there's all of this paperwork that flies back and forth. You finally, finally close a deal. And then it goes to the paralegal, and the paralegal's got a schedule of purchasers. They're sitting there. They're putting together their Excel spreadsheets uh, to, to record the, the ownership on an old Excel cap table. Then they, then they turn around, grab a stack of paper, and start putting together the paper stock certificates. And heaven forbid there's a typo you know, in one where the Excel spreadsheet says 1,000 shares. They put an extra zero in. The certificate says 10,000 shares. Now you mail everything out, the whole time the stockholder, he made look at his certificate, his back office enters it in as 10,000 shares, company's Excel spreadsheet says 1,000 shares. When the company goes and raises money in the next round or they get acquired three years later, and now there's this dispute about the number of shares this investor actually holds, which we you know, remove entirely because the way it works on e-shares is the, the lawyer or legal administrator, they'll enter in the information the first time around and they'll say, great, investor A is getting 1,000 shares. It goes to the company's signatory. So all of these stock certificates, they are signed by two, uh, two authorized signatories of the company. So usually it's the president and the secretary for these Delaware companies. President signs, secretary signs. It then gets issued uh, email to the investor. The investor then needs to sign and confirm, yep, it's a thousand shares. All of this information is correct. And as soon as the investor confirms, it becomes green lighted on the e-shares cap table. Now, every single party has confirmed that these are the right number of shares. And this is the cap table uh, that's correct for this company. Right. So that's that's really great. And so tell us, um, you did a recent thing, I think, uh, with something uh, with regard to 83B elections. Is that is that right? Is that a new feature that's launched right now? Yeah, yeah. So that's another thing. You know, one of the things that we learned is once you, once you start working on the cap table, there's so many areas, you know, a lot around compliance that we can help with. So one of these is 83Bs. Uh, I'm not sure how, I'm sure many of your listeners are familiar with 83B elections, but it's a tax election that has to be filed with the IRS within 30 days of, of purchasing or, or receiving restricted stock. So this is one of these things. There's no, uh, there's, there's very little uh, you can do about it once you miss that 30-day window. And it's, it's all great in many instances, especially for founders. When you're founding a company, uh, the law firm is going to be there to, to help you make sure you get your 83B election filed. But especially for, for employees later on who are early exercising their shares, uh, they may not fully understand the implications of missing that 30-day 83B deadline. Uh, if you're on eShares, we allow companies to issue their option grants electronically. Employees can actually electronically exercise on the platform so they can use ACH to authorize the wire 
uh, authorize the funds transfer, electronically sign all of exercise paperwork, um, and we will let them know, hey, these shares are subject to, to repurchase. Do you want to file an 83B election? And we'll take them through that process. So you guys, okay, so, I mean, there is a, there's been a concern amongst the tax lawyers for a long time about A3B elections and whether they have to be originally executed, you know, signatures on the paper, right? And like, I think most paranoid tax lawyers would say, hey, you've got to have like an original signature on the A3B election. You guys, but you guys, like you guys do an electronic signature and you submit it all electronically, right? And you're, you're just taking the position that, well, we, we can't believe that this won't be accepted. Isn't that your, your position right now? Yeah, that's exactly right. So all of these 83B elections, they, they get an electronic signature on it. They're still mailed certified uh, to the IRS with the, with the return tracking on it. But our position is absolutely, uh, it's a, nowhere, you know, we, we found nowhere in the, we looked through, I spent a lot of time reading the, the IRS code, uh, the revenue procedures, we didn't see anywhere that said original signature. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. it's, it's absolutely, I get it. You know, I worked at a large firm before coming to eShares. Yeah. Uh, they want to act on the conservative side. They want to be safe. Yeah. Uh, but our position is, you know, there's no way the IRS is going to view these as, as not being valid. Yeah. And if you think about the damage that occurs when someone misses their A3B election, uh, and it happens, you know, unfortunately it happens. It's, you know, we are, we are really guarding against that risk. Right. Right. I think, I think I'd be just dumbfounded. Like uh, if, if somehow the IRS came back and said, Oh, you know, DocuSign doesn't work or whatever. I'm not sure which signature platform you guys use on eShares. I've forgotten. Do you, do you have your own? Your, your we own? Have our own. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. A lot of times I get, I get questions about that from clients and it's not an easy question to answer just generally like, Hey, do we need physical signatures on these on these documents? Do we need to send originals back and forth in the mail? And um, and the answer f f from the transactional side for most of the types of deals I work on is is no. Nobody really sends originals around anymore. But I guess there is always the cases where the deal is so important. You know what I mean? Like sometimes the deal will cross some threshold where it's just it's either massive in size or super critical to the business where you just think, okay, well maybe we do want physical signatures, even though they're not absolutely necessary it'll just make it like that much stronger like that much easier to defend if we have to defend it yeah. um so it's it's like there's not a simple answer because the, the short answer is no you don't need signatures on most things but in some cases even though you don't need them you might still want them and it's hard to explain to people why that is yeah and, and we i totally understand you know when a law firm you know when when the law firm gives us their position I can understand where they're coming from, but you know we're we're trying to do our best. You know, what our philosophy is we're here to be helpful to our to our companies, and and this is one way that we think we really do good uh, by these by these companies and their stockholders. So how did so? I don't know. Uh, you know, in terms of how long you've been with the company since the beginning, or but but can you tell us a little about the origins of how the company got started and and uh, and why? I mean, was there? Uh, I mean, this is obviously there's tons of inefficiencies in the law and uh, and in working with lawyers. This seems like you know kind of a natural way to help remove some of that friction. But is there a is there a story behind kind of how this got started? Yeah. So I wasn't I wasn't there at the very beginning, but you know it was founded by Henry Ward. And uh, Manu Kumar, one of our very first investors, 
Um, they, they were sitting around one day and asking, hey, how come when I buy shares of Apple, I don't, there's no paper certificate, but if I buy shares of a private company, I invest in a startup, I've got to hold this, this paper certificate and store it somewhere safe um, until there's some kind of liquidation event. Like why, why are we in this world where companies are still issuing paper certificates? And I think that's what kind of triggered the, the initial, you know, kind of light bulb between Henry and Manu. So they, they went out and discovered no one was really doing this. You know, law firms were, were still set on issuing paper stock certificates. Uh, and there was a lot of resistance. I joined March 2014, so I've been at eShares for about two and a half years. And when I started, there were still a lot of people that were very reluctant. To, 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 to change. They're like, you know, we've done paper certificates for a long time. Uh, I don't know if we're ready, ready to move, but once you factor in, um, you know, that blockchain element, removing typos, everybody's confirming along with all the different reports that we can now generate. Uh, it, it, it just makes sense. It's one of these areas. So stocks, we started off with stock certificates. Uh, you know, we do option, you know, we didn't even launch option grants in the first iteration uh, when, when Henry was starting uh, starting to code the software. Uh, but if you think about all of the problems that can be solved with software, it, it's just incredible. You know, when I was at the firm, uh, you know, an employee's terminating, they have an option, the company call and say, hey, can you tell me how many shares have vested for this employee? And then you've got to uh, do some math and double check and let's make sure we're giving them the right number. Um, whereas on eShares, all of this is just math. And software does that really well. Yeah, makes sense. It seems like the, a, a great, I mean, sometimes legal software or software that helps take out some of this legal friction uh, is difficult to sell because, you know, people are, are fi- have fixed uh, ways of doing things and lawyers in particular are really resistant to change and, and t- try to they kind of cling to the old way of doing things. But this seems like a good, a good, um, a good niche within that legal space to, to go after because, it seems like it, it solves a pain point for the investors. It solves pain point for the customers and they can start demanding that, you know, like I imagine once an investor has held shares that are, um, that are tracked electronically, it becomes kind of a, it starts to feel antiquated to them when they start getting sent stuff to sign. They say, how come you can't do this the way they, that you do it with this other company that I've invested in? Um, yeah, that's, that's exactly right. You know, once you're an e-share, so you, when you're an e-share as a company, they can log in anytime and see their cap table information. And a lot of these companies who have VC investors, those investors are requesting their cap table reports quarterly. So they're saying every quarter they're calling the company and saying, hey, hey, CEO, can you send me a copy of your cap table? And in, in the old days, they might have to say, or, in, or if you're not on e-shares, you might have to call your law firm. And say, hey, paralegal, hey, associate, can you send me a copy of my cap table? Um, and of course, then there may be a delay. There's, you know, hopefully they're not billing you, but they may bill you to, to pull t- together that information. Maybe they've got a stack of paperwork uh, where they've got to update the cap table and then send it to you. And then it takes, you know, it, that time now goes away because if you're on eShares, you can send the electronic stock certificate to the investor and automatically provide them with access to the cap table. So that investor can now go in. We've got a couple of VC firms that have a significant percentage of their portfolio on eShares now. They log into their eShares account, they can see their holdings and then drill down and look at the cap tables on demand of those companies. Yeah, it seems super, super useful. 
Um, so do you, you want to hear about what happened to my Bitcoin this week? So, <laughs> yeah, I'd love, I'd, love that. I'd love to hear. So this is a cautionary tale, uh, and, and it's, still in, in the, it's still shaking out. So we'll, I'll have to, you'll have to tune in to find out how it turns out. But um, so, so I've got this Bitcoin that I bought a long time ago, and it went up in value. And, uh, and so it's with Bitcoin, your Bitcoins kind of sit in an electronic, I have it in like an electronic wallet. And the wallet is basically just um, your way of kind of authenticating that, that you are the, the owner of this particular address that holds Bitcoin in it. And, um, and so I, so I had my, my Bitcoin wallet, I moved it from my desktop computer to a different program on my iPhone. Uh, and then I, I got the new iPhone and then I sold my old iPhone to a friend of mine and, and wiped it. And so <laughs> when I wiped the old iPhone, I wiped out the wallet that was there that was holding those coins. And and so then it's a week later and I opened up, um, I opened up the application that exists on the new phone, which is the same application, but it's saying, Hey, you got to enter in your, your seed code, which is like the, the way you can, you can replicate a Bitcoin wallet using, uh, using software. As long as you have a, in this particular software's case, it's a 12 word, what they call a, um, it's, it's a, a seed. I think they call it seed words or, or it's a mnemonic of some kind. And so that what it is, is there's 12 words. Each one of those words maps out to one of 2,048 different numbers. And then those numbers make up this really long number, which is your kind of like, you could think of it as like your account number. And, um, and so I, I went and found my, my backup, my, my paper backup of where I had, where I had written down these 12, num, uh, 12 words to put into my, to my uh, phone. So I open up the application. I go to put in those 12 words. Turns out I only have 11 words. So when I trans when I, when I when I copied this recovery phrase, I missed a word somewhere, and I was kind of hoping maybe it was like the last word on the list. But um, the bottom line is, so so I've got this Bitcoin that's stuck in an account that exists. I've got eleven of the twelve words that I need to access it, but now I have to figure out how to get in by by sort of brute forcing the last word, and um, and so it's so I've been spending the last couple of days learning quite a bit about. Uh, about how this stuff works and trying to figure out how to to write uh, write an application that would sort of automate the process, but it is uh, I'm, I'm like deep in this math now, trying to figure out how to uh, how to break this thing, and it, it's like the equivalent of having like so if it was just the last word out of the twelve, um, it, there there would be like uh, two thousand and. 48 possible combinations of this last word that could be on the end of it. But not all of those, because there's some error correction in the, in the 12 words, some of the words are, some of the data is redundant. Um, so it turns out there's only about 129 different words that could be the last word on this thing. So, so last night I worked through all 129 of them and they didn't work, <laughs> which means that uh, the missing word is not the last word. It's somewhere in the middle. Um, and anyway, so now I have to go through this process of like brute force checking all these different words because the money is in one of these accounts and there's about, I think it's somewhere around 1400 different combinations and it's taking some time. So I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a kind of a weird scenario. So the money's still there. It's, it's like having a, a in your basement, having like 1400 safes. One of the safes has all the money in it. You don't know which one it is, and they all require some time to break into them. And so, uh, <laughs> I don't know if you have Bitcoin. Make sure you write down your thing. It's it's like this. And and if like heaven forbid, I didn't have eleven out of the twelve. Let's say I had ten out of the twelve, or I, I or I forgot to write down the password altogether or the password phrase. I mean, that money is just gone. 
Like it'll never be accessed by anybody. But hold on, Mike. Hold on. Getting back to the blockchain. I mean, mm-hmm. okay, this is one of the things that's been talked about a lot. This idea that, hey, we have this immutable record. There's there's a ledger. And the ledger, you can only enter a new entry. You can't back out anything. You can blah, blah, blah. And so there's this, this immutable record. So what you're saying though, Mike, is there's just like value that's like disappeared because no one can claim it on the blockchain. Is that is that right? Right. Like let's say there's an account that's listed on the blockchain that says this account has you know, a million dollars in it. Right. Um, that account, in order to transfer money from that account to some future account on the blockchain, you have to have the the right, um, you know, private key to be able to send that. You have to send that money, and and you have to basically sign it with your credentials. And um, and if you don't have that private key, you can't send that money. And that's what keeps you know you from being able to send money from my account and me from being able to send money to your account. If you don't have that key, you can't move that money. But if you lose that key, then that money just sits on the blockchain in that spot forever. And it'll never be spendable. No one can ever move it. It'll just be there. Um, yeah. Well, and so like this 12, this 12 character seed is kind of like a way of, of regenerating your, um, your private key, which I'm probably oversimplifying it. I'm sure people that know the, the math of it, it's probably more complicated than that. But essentially, if you have the right 12 words – for this application that you use to generate your private key, you can regenerate the private key. And all, and instead of having to memorize like a massive string of random characters, you can instead memorize these 12 words. Huh. Interesting. So, so, so Michael, like, um, this is what it's like to try to recover your eShares password, right? <laughs> fortunately, fortunately we have people involved. We've got a great customer success team. There is, you know, I actually do uh, uh, the new employee onboarding. We do, do, do a lot of data security training or information security training. Uh, and, and what we what we have is very sensitive information for all of our customers. So um, we have strict protocols where if you were in Mike's position, you lost your, your you lost your account. We we allow users to enable two factor uh, two factor authentication. It's highly highly recommended. Um, but if they didn't save their backup codes and now they want to log in, uh, you know, we've got this whole, this whole protocol. Uh, so at least it, it, you know, it's, it, at least it's a way to, to recover if you've lost all of your codes on eShares. Uh, so you're not, you're not in that position. Yeah, it's fascinating. But okay, so we talked, we started this, we started this by talking about the blockchain, I think. And you were saying eShares is, is, is using like blockchain characteristics, but you're not actually recording anything on the blockchain. Is, is that no, right? Yeah, that's right. It, it's just the characteristics of having multiple, you know, in order for something to be stored or, or treated as final on the cap table, we need all of these multiple parties to confirm that this information is correct so that you don't end up two years later in having a disagreement on on the number of shares or the vesting schedule or what was actually issued by the company. Sure. That makes that makes really good sense. Hey, so um so what do you what do you see in the overall marketplace for this type of product? I mean how many competitors do you have? What's the space look like? Um, you know, how, when you look forward to the product development evolution, where you, what direction are you guys looking to kind of think about where you might move next? I mean, presumably you're, I mean, there's a lot, I think there's like a burgeoning competition in this space, right? I mean, everything you've talked about makes perfect sense. Like, no, I mean, no, I don't think any rational person would disagree. You know what's, yeah. I I mean, what's funny is when I left the law firm to come to East year, so I was at, you know, a big law firm. Uh, you know, mid-level associate. And I was like, Hey, I'm going to go to this little startup that does paper stock certificates. And I was told, 
Are you sure, Mike? Seems like a really small market. I don't know if there's really anything there, but we've learned there's there's so much that that we can provide to companies uh, who are now storing their cap table on eShares. We have a we have one. Uh, I don't know if you've seen Henry Ward, our CEO. He does a lot of blog posts. You know, we we have very interesting things about hiring, uh, about how you know the culture of the business. But one of the things we do is we have all of these independent business units. Uh, within eShares. So our core business is really this cap table management transfer agent service for startup companies or for privately held companies. Uh, but we have one wing of the company where where they're all they work on is investor services, building out tools, uh, building out features that the fund, in, fund investors can use. And not just your standard Silicon Valley uh, funds, but family funds, uh, different types of offices can now have all of these analytical uh, tools to, to view their uh, investments, look at their portfolio. Uh, and we even service these companies, even if only a fraction of their portfolios on eShares, we'll still capture the information about their other investments and allow them to do all of the reporting that they need. We've got another branch of the company that does valuations. You know, this is what uh, put us on the map originally is offering 409A valuations as a monthly service. Uh, so that's that's a huge growing business for us that uh, that we feel like there's so much inefficiency in that market. When I was uh, when I was practicing at the firm, we'd have a company they raise their Series A round or even do a two million dollar seed round, and we'd say, "Hey, now you need now you need a four nine eight valuation." Um, they'd ask me, "Where do you go?" And we'd say, "Maybe check with these different uh, providers." And it costs you know anywhere from five to ten thousand dollars. Uh, for this report, which I now know is, you know, you're just running software on top of a cap table. There are, you know, we have a team, we have a full team of analysts here. Uh, we've got seven or eight analysts uh, with financial backgrounds, but what we're able to do is we know we have the correct cap table. We apply the different valuation methodologies on top of it. We've got an engineering team so that instead of a analyst sitting there plugging numbers into Excel, uh, you know they can do it. They can do what normally takes someone a week. Uh, they can do it in a couple hours. Um, so, so there's just so much you can do uh, once you're at this point. So, when do when do folks usually reach out to you? I assume early in the process, right? Do, do you tend to work with companies as they're being formed, or well, or do companies come to you after? You know, we work all across the board. You know, we I think in the last couple, you know, we we typically add around 200 plus companies each month. And they really span the entire range. So companies, you know, we work really closely with law firms. So uh, they put companies on right at formation. That's always the best. So you can get their records on uh, and and they'll always be correct going forward. Uh, But one of the tools that we offer for late stage companies is we do ASC 718 reporting, which is stock option expense, uh, stock option compensation accounting. Uh, I don't know exactly. It's an accounting tool. Uh, and what these later stage companies do is once they get their audited, once they have to have their financials audited, they've actually got to calculate the expense and in, in option compensation that they've given. It's a huge nightmare. It takes their controllers, CFOs a ton of time. And we have a tool to do it because we've got all of their option information. And now it's just a push button report out of eShare. So we get a lot of late stage companies uh, come into eShares because it's just their current Excel spreadsheet uh, isn't working. Their controller doesn't want to spend two or three weeks building out this uh, 
financial report. Uh, and there's just, you know, we just have so many different tools that they can take advantage uh, as, a, as a late stage company. Yeah, I know. I love I love that feature. Um, there's lots of really great, um, you know, different kind of, uh, I guess, complexions of what you're doing, right, that make it a, attractive. I mean, so that's that's got to help in terms of like, you know, picking your spots. Um, strategically, though, like, where do you guys where do you guys think you're going to head from here? So our next, you know, our latest feature that we've started doing is uh, helping companies run their tender offers. So if you can imagine a lot of these companies that are staying private longer and longer are doing liquidity programs. So they're, it's either a company buyback, uh, purchasing shares from existing shareholders or option holders, um, or they have existing investors or outside investors that want to buy shares uh, from the holders. So it gives them away. It's a little bit, it's, it's like a release valve where, you know, founders, early investors can get some liquidity out of their shares. Um, while the company still gets control of its cap table. And in the past, these were really costly, uh, time-intensive uh, programs for companies to run. Uh, there, there are a couple providers out there that do it, uh, but it's a little bit of, you know, there's a lot of spreadsheets involved. And not only that is once you've completed this transaction, now someone's got to update the cap table for all of these uh, purchases and sales that take place. So what we've done is we now, uh, you know, now we can offer the administrative services of, of, of running that tender offer for these companies. Um, we're, because we have great software, we have all of the information, uh, you know, we can really take people through this whole process in a very, uh, seamless manner. Uh, you know, and if you think about that long term, what we want to do is help these companies, uh, stay private, uh, help them continue to provide liquidity to their employees. Um, and, and I'm sure things will, things will come from that. I mean, there's all, there's so many areas where, where we can, we can really, uh, be more efficient. You know, one of the other features that we're doing is helping companies close their financings on e-shares. Uh, Joe, I'm sure you've seen this a lot. Uh, so much time is spent at the end of a financing round collecting signatures. Uh, you know, it's it can be really painful. I, I don't think Henry understood how bad it was until we did our Series A and I was handling it. Uh, and I was sitting there, you know, over the entire weekend, all I was doing was tracking down sick pages uh, from all of our investors. And it was just a painful, painful process. And if you think about it, companies out there paying, paying paralegals, you know, hundreds of dollars an hour just to track down signatures. Uh, and that's something that we can do really well. And, and it's just low hanging fruit like that, where we can step in and say, Hey, let us help you. Um, you know, there's just tons of opportunities. Uh, yeah, those are great stories. I, I, uh, the tender offer thing is, I mean, all these things are just like, like little, little painful, little like difficulties, but um, you know, if you can, yeah, if we can use technology to help kind of make them easier, it's certainly going to make our, all of our lives a lot better. So it's pretty, it's pretty cool to see you guys innovating in this space for sure. Yeah, so I guess the takeaway for our audience is, you know, I guess if you're, if you're a startup founder or if you're thinking about investing in companies and, and you're in the process of figuring out, you know, if somebody's talking to you about signing documents or, or, um, or setting up a cap table, like maybe think about this just as at the beginning. So you get it in place. Um, yeah, it's a great option. Thanks. Thanks for coming on the show and telling us about it. 
Um, people, if they want to find out more, I assume, is it eShares.com? It's eSharesInc.com. eSharesInc.com. So uh, check out eSharesInc.com for more information. And uh, thanks for being on. This has been great. Any, any parting thoughts for it? From either of you? No, I had a lot of fun. Re- really appreciated the time, guys. Thank you. So, Mike, you're gonna you're gonna update us on the Bitcoin story next week. Yeah, I have to. Well, we'll see. I have a feeling I might have to shelf this because I spent a bunch of time. Uh, I, I broke. I, uh, maybe I'll talk more about it on a future podcast. But I I worked through about ten percent of the possible combinations and uh, thinking that that would that it would work and it didn't. So now I've got to decide if I want to start the other ninety percent now or if I just want to just wait. Because, you know, it's like having those safes in your basement. The safes aren't going anywhere. I can try to break into them anytime I want. Maybe I should just get back to work on on, on things that are more fruitful, knowing that the money's there. If I ever need it, it's like it's like digging uh, digging up holes in your backyard. It's like the money's still in my backyard. I just, uh, do I really want to dig the whole thing up right now or or just wait until, until <laughs> I need that money? We've got some great engineers at each year. I, I think it's always good to have engineers as friends. I, I feel like... You know, if if I was in this situation, they could just write a script for me. Uh, so so ask around. I, I I bet it can be solved. Yep, yep. I um, That's a great story. Yeah, I sent. A, yeah, well, I'll I'll definitely keep you posted. Maybe I, I imagine every time from this point forward, because we talk about the blockchain kind of a lot. We talk about self driving cars and blockchain, and it comes up every every so every few episodes. So I, I imagine every time we talk about the blockchain from now on, you'll, you'll get an update from me on whether my Bitcoin's still locked up or not. <laughs> That's great. Hey, thank you so much for being on the show, Michael. All right. Thanks, guys.